Welcome in to the Illini cast. I'm Austin Berkland alongside Sonny Verma, and we have a special guest today on the Illini cast from the Big Banter Podcast Network. We have Cody Del Mendo from Beyond the Pain Podcast. Cody, how's it going? I'm good, guys. How's it going? Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's been a, it a great time to be an Illini fan. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I was going to say well. we've had a really fun five day stretch uh, at this point. So hopefully some, some people might look at it differently. But yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have had Terrence Shannon Jr. come back. We've had uh, fierce commitment. We've had a new Illini uh, football coach coming in um, with actual experience as the position coach that we're hiring for. So things are looking up for the Illini and people who enjoy the orange and blue right now. Uh, Sonny, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing fantastic. You know, victories over Michigan, uh, victory over Rutgers, and hopefully we take care of business tomorrow night. You know, Shannon is back. The team looked good. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to get uh, too excited. <laughs> it is a, it is hard not to get excited uh, with what's going on. Uh, Cody, what have been your impressions on this Illini basketball season? Let's dive into it. And um, just an overall thought of how things have gone from mm -hmm. the pre-Terrence Shannon news to the post-Terrence Shannon news and to where Terrence Shannon is back. So the three chapters are your overall thoughts on this book of the Illini basketball season. Yeah, so I don't know about you guys, but I, I felt like coming into the season, I, I was kind of down on the team. Like I, I, I didn't know what to expect. And normally I can I can get a little too hyped and then I'm dis disappointed. So maybe in some ways I did that. That way I would not do that to myself again coming into the year. Um, and for the first like handful of games, I felt like that it was probably right to do that. And then December hit and they went, you know, they they stopped turning the ball over. They started making free throws and, you know, offensively they were electric. Right. And then, uh, you know, the when the news happened at the end of December, uh, I just remember being really shocked and. I had a lot of emotions related to it because it was this is like the first time in my line of fandom I felt like where something like this something this serious had happened. I mean, Kendrick Nunn, I guess you can you can go back to that, Laurent Black, uh, but nothing like like that, right? Um, so then those three weeks where we we're everything was up in the air and everyone wondering if he was going to come back or not, I basically told myself that I didn't think he was coming back. Like I, I, with how the legal process works in this country, it can take forever. Right. So I didn't really ha give myself any hope of him coming back. And then all of a sudden he's back and uh, you know, he's, he's playing against Rutgers in, in mid January did, did never would have thought that that was going to happen. So I went from being down on the team to, especially after Mizzou, after destroying Mizzou, I was like final four bust and to uh, maybe they can go maybe with this, the, this team, they can get to the second weekend finally, maybe, but not a lot of hope in that to, well, we're back to final four bust again. Cause, cause Shannon's back. So it's, it's definitely been a roller coaster. Uh, I think Brad Underwood deserves a lot of credit for keeping this team together during like the, the roller coaster that it's been. And, I know he gets a lot of criticism, especially with guys that have transferred out, the fact that he hasn't got to a second weekend yet, all these things. But I don't know about you guys, but you know, I've been a fan since 
0304 and you know it hasn't been more fun to be an Illini fan since then outside of the last four years so I don't take any of it for granted even though I'd love to see him get to a second weekend um it's a great time to be an, an Illinois fan in, in general uh when you just look at it in the grand scheme of things it's these when when things were the way they were in the in the gross era I, I used to dream of times like this so yeah like it's again I mean that's really a lot of fun that second weekend is all we're missing now at this point. You know, like this yeah, stretch right. that Brad has had this uh, Illini basketball team. We've won, we've won the conference. We've won the conference tournament. We've produced all Americans. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's just, you know, that that one level that Brad's got to, you know, jump over. And I think that's why some of us are so excited about this season. You know. Uh, I, I think in our preview episode, I think I put a ceiling uh, of I, of Sweet 16 on this mm-hmm. team. Um, I wasn't very high on it, uh, especially compared to the last couple of years. But then we just started playing. And I kind of saw like our offensive efficiency was fantastic. Uh, we played great defense. And I got to see guys like Marcus Damask up close, you know, mm-hmm. Justin Harmon up close, as, as opposed to just reading about him at these incoming transfers. And, you know, yeah, I got super excited. I'm like, okay, uh, this team could be pretty, pretty good. And obviously Shannon news happened. And then I'm like, the team is still good because, you know, when we had a Northwestern 30 point win, we still played pretty well. But, you know, without Shannon there, uh, I thought, okay, fine, the ceiling would, okay, at this point, let's just make it past the Sweet 16. Let's, or let's make it to the Sweet 16. Let's just make yeah. that, you know, the, the level that we need to get by. But now Shannon's back, and I saw them play against Rutgers, and now all of a sudden, again, I'm starting to get excited again. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just yeah. I, don't know. I hope I'm not setting myself up again. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Marcus Damask, like, if we were resetting wherever we our expectations, because at the beginning of the year, I thought Marcus Damask would be a great, like, role player for this Illini team, just play his role a little bit. I did not anticipate him being the second best player, being a star without Terrence Shannon Jr. on the court. And the fact that he's able to do a little bit of everything on the court from rebounding, his assists, the booty ball, um, the way he can shoot from the mid-range as well. Um, The three-point shooting hasn't been there to probably Marcus's expectations, but once that's good, that's a complete basketball player. I mean, I knew he could do a little bit of everything, but not to this elite level against this elite competition. And I think his play alone has just increased my expectations to a level where I didn't expect them to ever touch, even after the Terrence Shannon news. Yeah. Damask has been better than I ever expected. Like, do you guys feel the same in that? Like I, when they got him, I have a buddy who went to SIU. He texted me. He's like, you're going to love the guy. And I, 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 he was right. I love the guy. Like he's, he's, he's played out of his mind. Uh, the way that he plays in the post, um, for a guard, especially. Yeah. Like he's, he just, uh, the only thing that I, you know, if there's anything I can nitpick at, and this is more of a recency thing, like he's turned the ball over a little too much. I think he had like four turnovers um, against uh, Michigan. I don't remember how many he had against um, Rutgers, but 
I think now with him going back into the role that he was in with Terrence Shannon back, those will probably come down. But he had zero. He had three turnovers against uh, Rutgers. Yeah. And it just a lot of them, like the ones against Michigan, some of them were like, you know, some bad passes. You know, I remember I think against Rutgers when I think about him and turning the ball over is like that play right before the half where they like were under would call the timeout to, to, to design a play. And then right out of the timeout, he turns it over and they run the Rutgers goes down and gets a layup. Right. But <clears throat> again, like I just, I think with Shannon back now, I think those, those turnovers will probably come down at least from him. Cause he won't have to, you know, control the ball as much as he was. So I'm just waiting for the three ball to start falling for him. Uh, yeah. He's way below his averages uh, the previous couple seasons. So I'm hoping, you know, the law of averages evens things out. And, you know, now that we're kind of in the meat of Big Ten play, you know, if he can if he can start nailing threes, then, you know, we got like four or five guys who can all shoot it from out there and uh, we'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, he's hovering around 34% from behind the three-point line um, in his four years at SIU. This year he's at 21.6%. So, there's still meat on the bones left uh, in his game, and that's an exciting thing, especially coming to March, wherever three-point shooting is, it comes at such a premium where it can make or break you as a as a team. If your team is hitting threes versus the other team hitting threes, yeah. So, anyways, Shannon back, Rutgers game, Austin. I know you were at the game. What was that like when uh, you know Shannon was uh, checking into the lineup? Yes, I felt bad for Quincy Garrier because he was uh, shooting some free throws, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like the loudest ovation you could possibly have between free throws coming in. And or the minute he stood up before he even had to sh- had a chance to shoot a free throw. So I, I thought the ovation was just insane, and it showcases the support that these Illini players have uh, for this Illini team, and I love that. And I also love the fact that the players seem to support the other players. Um, and it's such a family atmosphere um, within this team. It's not like last year's team where there was so much selfish basketball. You can just see the love that the guys have for each other. And I think that radiates the fans. And you saw that energy going into the stadium. You saw that energy, uh, the anticipation uh, before he checked into the game. And I know it was not that long of a wait, but he was there. And, then that first alley-oop to Coleman Hawkins, it felt like a moment where you were like, this Illini team is back. This Illini team has expectations that are so high and elevated that it feels good to be an Illini fan. It feels good to have those expectations. It remains to be seen if those are going to be met or not, but it's nice to have those. And like you said, Cody, uh, you can't take this for granted, especially with those later Bruce Weber years, those John Gross era years, and uh, the worst team in Illinois history, the first year of Brad Underwood. I mean, where this program is at, uh, all you're missing is uh, second weekend and a first-round draft pick. And it, once you cross those, then Brad Underwood is where Lon Kruger has been, where Bill Self has been. Um, and that's just so awesome to see that Illinois has an elite basketball coach again. And going back to that game, it just feels like that the energy level of this program is where it is, where it's been, hasn't been since 05. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious. I don't want to like bring it down any, but obviously, how are you guys dealing with as fans of Illinois with the situation with Terrence, Terrence Shannon? How are you dealing with opposing fans? I don't know. Just what you know what they were saying on social media and stuff like that because i'm not gonna lie it's it has bothered me and it it's bothered me to a point where it's like some people are saying that it's like like it's so wrong to like cheer for this team and i just it, it we've never been in a situation before I, in this type of situation before not for me not even just like Illinois, but like every other team that I've liked. I mean, you know, I'm a Chicago sports fan. The closest thing to this I have, you know, Patrick Kane, maybe I'm not even really a big, like, I'm not a big black, like a big hockey guy anyway, but you know, I, I think I Addison Russell is yeah. very comparable. Addison um, Russell where, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was a uh, height of cub okay. fandom after the world series and mm -hmm. the cubs could be, rattle off a dynasty and it felt a little weird. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, or even during the world series here with oldest Chapman, uh, closing games for the Chicago cubs after what he was alleged, uh, of, to have done. I mean, so we, I've been in situations like this, but it just feels a little weird at this point where I'm like, do you just cheer for the guy until the guilty verdict is, is read? And then you're like, sorry, I, I believe in innocent until proven guilty. I think mm -hmm. that's the kind of mindset you got to go um, with. I mean, I think there's definitely been a directive from the DIA to limit all Terrence Shannon Jr. content on social media. Uh, there was no reference to him at all um, on Instagram or on X. And you looked at the Big Ten Network tweet um, whenever he checked into the ball game. I was shocked that that tweet was ever made in the first yeah. place because of you would feel like they would have asked Illinois, hey, do we tweet about this guy, even though Fox has input on what content is going on uh, in, on the social channels and on the actual television set. So I was a little shocked that that happened. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they did, and I was reading all the comments of from these other teams, like this is despicable, like how could you ever do this? I mean, I, I just got to cheer for him until he's proven guilty. And then I'll be like, I, I don't have the evidence. Like yeah. a charge is not worth a, is not worth a guilty or innocent thing. A charge is just a charge. I could yeah. charge you Cody with uh, theft and it, it might not, my, it doesn't mean a thing. I've never met you. Like, yeah. so um, <laughs> it, it, it is crazy. Like a yeah. charge is a charge. It's not a guilty or an innocent. I'll say also is that I think a lot of people just don't know the ins and outs of his case as well and it and it's it makes me roll my eyes so much and like i i actually posted a video on tiktok it's a, it's like a clip from one from one of my shows related to to the Rutgers game and i explained myself like anyone shocked that he got a standing ovation just doesn't understand like first off he's at home at, on his home court but also majority of these people had to have looked up something related to this case. If they're Illinois fans, right? Like this fan base isn't like <laughs> not to be, well, I guess I'm trolling a little bit, but it's not like Northwestern, right? Like the, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot to, uh, to the, 
to being an Illini fan. We're one of the like people are ranking the Orange Crush as one of the rowdier like student sections in all of college basketball. Like, like I can't say Illinois is a blue blood, but we're definitely one of the more rowdier fan bases in, in all of college basketball. And so I I'm not saying that all of them looked it up, but I feel like there's some knowledge of like the people that are there because they went right. So I'm for me, like I, I tried to explain like what is the information that's out there and what we know at this point. And to me, that's anyone who thinks that it's despicable, like you said, Austin, or how could they do this? It's like, do you even know the story at this point? Like, do you know what's going on? And so, you know, that's the nature I think of social media as someone who's been working in it for years and years, but it's definitely frustrating as a fan because now I'm like, people are coming at me saying that I'm defending rape and all this shit. And it's just like, it makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, as you talked about Cody, uh, Austin and I have been very careful talking about the case here, uh, at mm. least on this show, because obviously we're not lawyers. Right. Um, and the one time we did talk about it, we've got two episodes of me talking to an actual lawyer who had yeah. gone through all the documents, you know, and once those documents kind of were made public, yeah, I started reading through some of them. It's, it's one of those where I feel somewhat comfortable with the evidence there. But I'm also admitting I'm not a lawyer. Like if, mm. if, if my brother who if I'm pretty sure my brother didn't do anything, it's not like I'm going to stop supporting him. If he if he's found wrongdoing by a judge and he goes to jail, I'll say good. Like he's serving his time. But that hasn't happened yet. He has not been uh, found guilty yet or he may mm. not. You know, like we'll see uh, once the court process uh, all starts. But yeah. Sunday Anytime I posted anything, you know, it's just one troll after another. And I just have to kind of keep in mind that Illinois Twitter has a reputation of we engage with everything. Like we are very easily triggered. We're very (laughs) easily trolled. And a lot of the other fan bases know that a lot of I mean, you see a lot of the national guys, they'll be talking about. Uh, Illinois, just because they know they're going to get the responses. They know they're going to get those impressions on Twitter. And, you know, that's how people make money. So I I try to keep level headed, uh, you know, especially early in the morning, Sunday, I tried being, you know, a good guy and like, Hey, did you see this? Did you see that? Like trying to show like screenshots of this and that. I realized afterwards that none of these people are interested in reading any of that. You know, they're not Illini fans. They're, they've read what they've read in the, you know, headline. And so, I, I just can't uh, stress out too much about it anymore. Yeah, that's where I pretty much have kind of tried to put myself at, but I'm just kind of explaining my side and and how it's so like this position is so different I, in, in a way like it has me thinking going back, did I ever do this to another fan on the internet? Like, and if I did, now I feel really bad, <laughs> but Um, You're exactly right. I've had the same thought to myself. You know, it's like I know um, before I may have been a little quick to judge, you know, uh, a situation without really knowing anything about it. And it's unfortunate that it took this sort of scenario. But now, Mm -hmm. like moving forward in other instances, you know, I'm not going to be acting as quickly. Like I, I will like if I'm going to go that route, you know, it's fun to when you 
when you watch sports, it's fun to troll other your rivals and whatnot. But there's certain levels of what you control, and you know, I know I'll be doing at least my due diligence a little bit uh, without trying to step over the line. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even societally, even going past sports, like how we judge situations without doing any research, just read a headline, and that's pretty much it. And I mean, that's the way Facebook has kind of got their money with their algorithm is just people reading headlines and boom, we're done. That's all I need to know about this. Um, and a tweet is a very similar aspect. So I think societally, we just need to all calm down, figure out everything about everything a little bit. And then I think that'll lead to some more peaceful interactions, I guess, on on social media, as opposed to this quick twitch headline read grab um, that we're currently in. I'm not holding my breath that that's going to happen, but that's just going to what needs to happen um, yeah. even past the sports world. Um, but going back to this Illini team. Uh, we yeah, I didn't mean to get up. too serious there. Sorry. Oh, you are you are all good, <laughs> I mean, Cody. It's, it's it the big topic of the weekend. You know, it's going to yeah. be talked about pretty much for the rest of the season. It's going to be mm. a huge focal point about tomorrow night's game. You know, it's going to be his first road game, and I know we're going to get to that later. So, yeah. I mean, it needed to be addressed. Uh, going back to this Illini team, like in the future, Jeremiah Fears, he committed to the University of Illinois, and – Cody, what are your impressions on the future of this Illini basketball program, even going past this this potentially great season? Yeah, I mean, I watched obviously I watched little highlights of the of the kid yesterday. Um, I don't follow recruiting as much as you know a lot of people do. Um, when I hear about oh he's a top one hundred, top fifty guy on like every ranking system, okay, I'll look him up, um, but. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the highest-ranked recruits in the Brad Underwood era. Uh, my biggest takeaway for sure in the grand scheme is, like, thank you, Io DeSumo, because of what you did to bring this program back to relevance. Will like, has now, like, that, that, uh, that impact has now passed the torch down the line to, like, all these young kids who watched El who's watched Illinois over the last four or five years. I mean, he's like a sophomore in high school. So, like, it, I don't know. I think Jeremy, I, I was listening to Alana Inquirer podcast when the news came out, and Jeremy Werner mentioned something along the lines of, you know, he's probably never watched Illinois when they were bad. Um, yeah. I don't know how long he's, if he's, if he even grew up an Illini fan or anything like that. But, like, if they've been recruiting him since eighth grade and he's like a sophomore in high school right now, like, <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't seen a bad Illinois team uh, if he's been following them since they started recruiting him right so uh, I just again it goes back to we're just in the really good times right now for as, as an Illini basketball fan and you know that's like my biggest takeaway now him as a player um, looks like he has limitless limitless range can shoot from can pull up from anywhere uh, the handles look really good um, I think he's probably a scoring guard first, more so than a you know a passing guard. Uh, but you know, his his own dad said he's going to be better than than his brother that's at Michigan State, so or at least has higher upside. I mean, there's a lot to like there, right? Um, he's getting a lot of hype, and you got to you know we've seen guys come in here and have a lot of hype and and not do well. Uh, Jeremy Richmond is like the first name I can think of, but uh, you know I think. As long as 
Brad Underwood continues to to do what he's been doing in terms of recruiting and the transfer portal, surround him with some some good like vets as well as you know the the rest of his recruiting class. Like I don't see why the the way this program is at right now doesn't at least remain at the same level in a few years with with him. So I'm really excited to see him in a few years and. Uh, you know, I just again, I think I would assume it just deserves so much credit for helping this program create a reputation for recruits to want to come to, especially I mean, in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about the marquee recruits that Brad Underwood has got. It feels like he's got one every year from Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn. You think uh-huh. Terrence Shannon Jr., Moes, Morris Johnson, and then you follow that up with a guy like Jeremiah Fears. I mean, it's just an incredible role that I don't even think Bill Self has been on year after year after year after year of being an Illini basketball coach. So the ceiling is definitely higher uh, for Illini basketball's future. It's just crazy to think of where Brad Underwood has been and where he is now and that ceiling is almost limitless and then you pair him with like a jace butler and uh guys that can be cohesive pieces uh to maintain brad underwood's philosophy of get old and stay old like guys like amani hansberry um potentially staying in the program you pair the marquee you with the depth and then you get that transfer portal addition of a of a blatant hole that you definitely need to fill that's the way to win basketball games in this new transfer portal era. And I think Brad Underwood has done the best job in the big 10 of how to build a program, because there are some coaches that are struggling with the transfer portal, struggling with just getting a five star here and there, but with no depth, you have the guys that just get depth, but no star power. I think Brad Underwood has found that winning blend of how to maintain a competitive basketball team year after year after year. And I think he's done that the best in the big 10. And I know this is kind of turning into a Brad Underwood fanboy podcast, but I mean, I feel like he deserves it. You know, if I'm the Illini head coach uh, a year ago and Jeremy fears is about to commit to me. And from all the knowledge available, it was Illinois who decided to go in a different direction. I don't even bother with the little brother. I'm thinking that bridge is burned. Like even if they, show interest they're just stringing us along let's go in a different direction you know brad you know i guess he's got that relationship with uh, uh the fears's father and fears father has pretty much completely bought into brad underwood like all credit to him and that's why he's paid the amount of money that he is to be able to recognize that you know just because it didn't work out for jeremy doesn't mean that we should stop pursuing this Jer- uh, jeremiah angle mm-hmm. and also just to piggyback to what you're saying my I think my favorite part of Brad Underwood is he's not like he's willing to change. You know, when he came into the Illini, he was doing that full court press that he had won games previously with the smaller teams. Uh, Second year, he realized, okay, this is just not going to work at the Big Ten level. So he switched out that strategy. Then, you know, we started recruiting the heck out of these, you know, four stars. And our recruiting classes were, you know, top five, top 10, top 15. And then you kind of saw what happened last year. You know, you have all these high star guys, but when they're freshmen, they're new to college basketball, they're not comfortable, they're looking out for themselves. And you you really saw a team that was not cohesive, that, you know, just fell off the side. 
So what did you do this offseason? He completely switched, switched strategies. Yeah, we have, you know, good prospects coming up. But now the transfers he brought in were like, you know, seniors, guys who have been part of winning programs. You know, Marcus Damask, a guy who was player of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference, a guy who is he knows it's his last year in college basketball. So what he wants to do, the reason he transferred to Illinois is because he wants to play at the highest level and have a chance at winning the biggest trophy uh, in the country. And again, you know, that it's, it's all credit to Underwood. Like he, he can see when something doesn't work. And, you know, unlike some of my friends uh, who are Michigan State fans, you know, who don't understand why Izzo doesn't just, you know, tackle the portal, Underwood was one of the first guys who was mm-hmm. utilizing that uh, transfer portal. So, you know, again, I know this is turning into a, uh, an Underwood love fest, but, you know, the guy right now, he, he deserves his props. It's, it's criminal to me that if Wisconsin keeps up what they're doing, that Greg Gard is going to be the uh, favorite to win Coach of the Year again because this would be his second. And Brad hasn't won it once yet. After the turnaround that he's had over the last six, seven years, I think it's ridiculous. I agree. Yeah. We have a big game coming up, Illinois versus Northwestern. Illinois crushed Northwestern in their first meeting. Um, Northwestern is coming in at a 13-5 and record, 4-3 and in the conference. Illinois opens as a three-and-a-half-point favorite going into the game in Evanston. Uh, first, there's going to be the atmosphere. I know Northwestern isn't uh, always the best at uh, student sections and <laughs> Illinois being so close, meaning there's going to be a lot of orange in that building. So it won't be a true road atmosphere uh, for Terrence Shannon Jr. to uh, go into. But it is going to be a little bit of a factor going into this game on how he is treated uh, from the Northwestern student section. And then just the game itself. I mean, Illinois is averaging 82 points a game. Northwestern only 72 points a game. Cody, what are your expectations for this uh, Northwestern game? Uh, Well, I'm expecting it to be a lot closer, that's for sure, Um, which is crazy because when they beat Northwestern by 30, Terrence Shannon Jr. didn't play because he was suspended, right? Um, But I believe in that game, if I remember correctly, Illinois shot like 60% that that entire game. So – um, if I mean, if it happens, it's because they probably shoot 60% again. Uh, but Northwestern's been a very tough team at home. They beat Purdue at home. Um, I think they beat Michigan State too after they had a bad loss against Chicago State. Um, yeah, Chicago State's probably their worst loss for sure. Um, but you know, Boo Booey's still there. I feel like he's been there for 10 years. Um, I can't say anything bad about him since he's a Cubs fan. I've seen him at Wrigley Field before, but um, when it comes to college hoops, I, you know, he's he's a great player, but uh, he, he simply annoys the shit out of me. But I think in that game, when I think back to their game against Purdue, like he just played the perfect game, didn't turn the ball over at all. Um, and, you know, again, he he was able to not only score, but get other guys involved, I think. And Illinois won by 30 that game. He put up 20, but no one else scored. So I, if Illinois goes with that same mindset and mentality and try to make him just be, you know, a scorer and make not allow anyone else to do much of anything, maybe, maybe they win like they did again. Uh, but... I don't know. As we've seen in the Big Ten this year, it's been hard to win road games, right? So uh, I think it's gonna. I think Illinois wins, but it's. I think it's gonna be close, and we're all probably gonna be sweating at the end. That's what I think. 
Mark, quick fact about that game. Marcus Domask in the first matchup scored 32 points against Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember seeing like Bubui had 20 points, but it, it, Austin, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had zero rebounds and zero assists. He was over on the other uh, stats. Um, I, that could be based on memory. I could I could be wrong, but I will look it up. I think again, I think Bubui is just one of those guys who he could any given night be the best player on the court. And so, especially in the last few minutes, like if the game is close, he's one of the few guys. Now I. I mainly only watch Big Ten basketball. Like I'll watch the highlights of the other conferences here and there. But mm-hmm. Bowie is just a super talented guy. He's, uh, you know, fair to say. I'm not trying to disrespect his teammates, but he's a level above the guys he's playing with. And you know, he hasn't had much success against Illinois. Um, you know, we've won I think ten out of the last eleven against them. But one of them, that one win, was uh, last year in Evanston. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those games where I would think that we – I would be worried at one point that we might be overlooking until, you know, Shannon decided to come back or was allowed to come back. And now I think that team knows it's their first road road game. They're going to be dealing with a lot of, you know, hecklers, just a lot of drama, a lot of stress, a lot of people shouting some really awful things and – I'm looking forward to seeing like the team just kind of bond together and, you know, just understand that the situation that they're in now, uh, they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their schedule. And, you know, Northwestern, and I think the next road game after that is Ohio State. Two of them, you know, not, how do I say this nicely? Two of the easier places to play at, uh, you know, the, the fans aren't going to get on you that much. So it's, it's kind of a trial run, a test mm-hmm. run. And uh, I mean, Northwestern's a good team. Um, they really forced turnovers. They didn't do much of that uh, the previous game. So their game plan is going to change around a little bit. Uh, it's just, you know, we're, we struggle with guards. And Boo Boo is one of the best guards in the country. So it's just, uh, you know, if we can contain him, let him score his 25 points. But again, if he's got zero assists... That means he's not involving other players. And, you know, the style of play that we play defense, uh, we usually – we don't mind letting one guy beat us. You know, we did that with the Morier last game. We let him get the ball down low every single time because, um, you know, it's just it, – put Hawkins up against him, take a tough shot. If you make it, good for you. But that means the other four guys aren't getting involved. I think we see a similar storyline tomorrow. I think uh, I think we win. I'm going to say, I'll say it gets a little comfortable. Let's just say ten points, but it doesn't mean I'm not nervous right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Boo Booey did score twenty points and was over on the other big stat categories. Yeah, I remember, he had four yeah. turnovers and four fouls. So yeah. you were right on that, Sonny. I think the key to this game is going to be just. Play your identity. Um, rebound the basketball. Make your layups. Uh, that's the bugaboo of what happened in Maryland. Uh, they missed some layups. They didn't rebound the ball to their biggest capabilities. And defensively, they were a little lax uh, on the guard side. And I think knowing what Bo- Boo Boo is scoring, uh, like how well he scores the basketball, that's going to be huge for Illinois just to know that they can't overlook a guard like that. So I think it just boils down to those three things. And I think you got to, I think they're going to win by five or six there. Yeah. I, the biggest thing that I'm, 
I guess worried about is just like how will this team react to the road atmosphere? And the, the only reason I'm worried about it is because it's the first one. Now, if they win this game and move on, great. I probably won't be nearly as worried about it moving forward. But it, I, Sonny, you kind of mentioned, you know, the Northwestern, it's not like the, you know, going there, the environment or whatever isn't like, I don't know, like going to Iowa, I guess. Uh, but I don't know. I th- I think that this could be tomorrow's game, at least at- atmosphere-wise, could be something that probably a lot of people who either Northwestern and Illini fans, like, I think a lot of people would want this kind of atmosphere just for rivalry reasons. Um, it, when I say this atmosphere, it's just more of like, I guess just getting up for the game. If you guys understand what I'm saying, like I've never really gotten up for an Illinois Northwestern game because Illinois has dominated this, this rivalry from a bat on the basketball side forever. But for it's, you get like one or two random years and in Chris Collins's time at Northwestern that where they're good, right? Like three times, this is like the third time now. And with Illinois having this off the court stuff with Terrence Shannon, like I, I just feel like there's going to be a a vibe at, at in Evanston tomorrow that when it comes to these two teams playing, I feel like we we've never seen them before, and so that's what makes me nervous. And how are how are these players going to react to the negative attention that's going to come to them? I I think they're the better team. I, I they should win. And I think they do win if they react well early. If they if they get off to a hot start, that's going to quiet the crowd, and they'll be able to you know get be, get comfortable quick, right? So I think it's all about keeping that crowd quiet, and it's hard to do on the road, man. So that's what keeps me worried. But I do think that this could be like a a rivalry game that I guess people who want Northwestern and Illinois to be rivals, like big rivals, I guess. This is one that it could, you know, that those people could finally get just based off like the storylines coming into this. You know what I mean? I, I also find it, I also find it hard that that Illinois won't be playing to their top potential in this game because they're playing for Terrence, they're playing for each other. I feel like sure. that's a huge factor of intrinsic motivation uh, for this team that they will not come out flat because the minute they come out flat. Uh, they know that they're going to get run out of the gym because of all the crowd interaction, especially on the road. So I think they know what this battle is going to look like game to game. And I I think that'll, that'll self motivate this team a lot um, in, in ways that we don't understand since we're not in that locker room. Yeah. And I think the result of this game is really going to matter to the fans. Um, If we lose this game, that thought's going to linger. Like, how is this team going to play in the road environment the rest of the season? You know, the next game against Ohio State, where, you know, even if we beat Indiana on Saturday, we're going to be lo- thinking about the next game against Ohio State. Like, oh, you know, is this team just going to not play at the level that they're used to uh, when they're on the road just because of the, all the distractions going on? That's going to be a lingering thought. But then on the opposite side, you know, if we have a 15-point win, a 20-point win, Northwestern is a top-half Big Ten team. You know, they're a pretty solid team. Again, they've knocked out, uh, they've beaten Purdue. Uh, and Welsh, you know, while it may not be a rowdy 
uh, arena, Northwestern does tend to play pretty well at home. So, you know, a, a, a significant victory tomorrow night kind of tells me to breathe a little bit, you know, say, yeah. hey, this Illinois team is still Illinois. Like, you know, uh, they've got the veterans in there. Brad's, you know, got them coached up. They're in the right mindset. They'll be able to handle um, the adversity that's going to be following them the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Northwestern four and three on the year, 13 and five overall. They are fourth in the conference as we speak, right? One game behind uh, Illinois. So that, that is, this is a big game in terms of standings uh, for Northwestern. If they can pull an upset against Illinois, which I obviously don't think will happen, that, that completely changes their season. That makes them more of a, firm NCAA tournament team and not so much bubblicious that they might be feeling if they lose a couple down the road in the big 10. Yeah. I mean, I think for Northwestern, you know, their win over Purdue is huge, but then also the Chicago state loss is, was bad, right? Yeah, it like um, cancels each other out almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they, they didn't, yeah. Nebraska has probably been the biggest surprise to me in this conference this year. They, they went to Nebraska lost by what five or six points on Sunday. Uh, they don't really have like, like a, a, a outside of beating Purdue. Like I, I feel like their resume isn't very strong at this point. So I could be wrong on that, but to me, like, I don't think there's as many teams in the Big Ten that are going to get in this year as we've seen in recent years. At least I don't think it's deserving. I think maybe three or four teams, maybe five. But yeah, the Joe Lenardi, I know he's not the end all be all of bracketology anymore. He's just the easiest to click on. Um, <laughs> he has six uh, Big Ten teams in the Big Dance uh, this year, which I think will go down, especially once. Uh, those those bid stealers come out of the smaller conference tournaments and uh, if a random big east team wins their their conference championship i feel like like you said cody that number it will dwindle uh from the six that uh, joe currently has in but that's that's why illinois better be ready you know a lot of the, mm -hmm. these other teams in the big 10 um you know they may not have fared too well in their non-conference wins they may not have as that many you know, quad one games left on their schedule. So the, that game against Illinois is going to matter. You know, we're going to get the best shot from a lot of these teams. And so, you know, we just got to trust that Brad and the staff uh, is going to have the guys ready. Yeah. Cody, I want to thank you for joining the Illini cast. Uh, it's been a blast. And um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, yeah, so you can follow me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cody underscore CHGO. Um, if anyone listening is also a Cubs fan, I do the CHGO Cubs podcast. It's probably the, not to like brag, but probably a top one or top two Cubs podcast in America, the world maybe. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's that I'm not trying to boost myself but we're pretty popular i would say so uh yeah i do the my Illini podcast it's called from beyond the pain i just started back in november it's uh uh it's strictly just illinois basketball it's mainly what i follow but i've been doing shows on my youtube channel or you can go on spotify and subscribe there so um i appreciate you guys having me on and uh i i'm excited to see what the rest of this season brings for us before we let you go who do the cup sign uh rest of the way Oh man, I'm waking up every day. 
that question. Come on. I'm, <laughs> I'm waking up. Every, I'm waking up every day and I'm like, it's been this many days that Cody Bellinger has been a free agent. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's we're at day 114. Like, man, I think it's going to go into February because Scott Boris is Scott Boris. But um, I, I, I think the Cubs are going to put out a roster that's good enough to win the division. I was hoping for a little bit higher expectations once the offseason ended, but uh, or not the offseason, the season ended last season. But uh, based off what they've done the, to this point, I think I I think I have to lower my expectations to division. That is if they do re-sign Cody Bellinger. I think that will be the guy um, if you want a little bit of a different, you know, a spicier take, maybe – I think if they re-sign Bellinger, I do think Matt Chapman could be a possibility too. I think once we uh, took counsel from Milwaukee, all the Cubs fans were ready to, you know, run through a wall thinking that, oh, here comes Otani, here comes this guy, <laughs> that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Felt that way. I, I still, out of uh, my group of Cubs fans, I'm still the most optimistic one. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be patient and uh, trust Jed and, uh, you know, mm. All I said is like, we'll just wait to see what that opening day lineup looks like. Yeah, it's hard to be optimistic right now. So don't give your friends too much, uh, too much flack. But it's also <laughs> it, it's also like, you know, you deserve a lot of credit for being optimistic, considering how the offseason has been so slow and how the, you know, the Cubs have basically made two moves. And that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm I think over this next these last whatever, 30, 40 days or whatever up into spring trading, I. I think the Cubs are going to get some stuff down and we'll all, I think we'll all mostly be pretty excited about what they could be next year. Absolutely. Uh, this has been a great episode, Cody. Again, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you're listening, you can follow us on Alanacast on Twitter, as well as see it, find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Sonny, thank you again. It's been a great episode. Take care. And We'll wrap it up. Thank you, guys.